uh, Jesus has just asked the question, what is all this arguing about? And verse 17 begins, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So, shout so, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't, shout couldn't, do it. And then verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Shout amen. amen. Please be seated. Lord, we uh, thank you and we know you're present. Do what only you can do in the midst of all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jesus was walking in uh, through a region called Caesarea Philippi, captured in the 16th chapter of Matthew. And he asked his disciples who were walking with him, who do people say that I am? They give a variety of answers. Current day contemporary translation would be, some say that you're a great teacher, some say that you're a charismatic figure, some say that you're one of the prophets who've come back from the dead. Then he says, okay, you guys have been with me for three and a half years, who do you say I am? And Peter, of course, is always known for being the first to raise his hand, uh, said, uh, raise his hand and say, hey, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Then Jesus says uh, in verse 16 and, and in verse 18, he says, look, you didn't learn this because of uh, human flesh and blood. He says, you learned this because my father in heaven revealed this to you. And so therefore, verse 18, uh, upon this rock, upon this confession that I am the son of God, I will build my church, shout church. And the gates of hell, of Hades, of death, of evil will never prevail, will never win against it. Now, isn't that good news for those of us who are believers in Jesus, that hell will never win? Let's celebrate that. That's just good news. All right. So here's the point. Here's the point. Uh, when he uses the word church in that verse, the better translation is, uh, upon this rock, I will build my gathering. That's why we use the term gather, my gathering. And so uh, it's a reminder that the church is not a building or an address. It is a gathering of God's people. It's a gathering of those who put their faith in Jesus that he is who he says that he is. And wherever they gather, Jesus says, where two or three of you gather together in my name, there I am in the midst. Now, here is some really good news. Therefore, one of the greatest strengths of the church happens to be people. And one of the greatest weaknesses of the church happens to be you got it. <laughs> Somebody said the church would be all right if we just didn't have to use people. <laughs> but the church is a reminder that, that Jesus is in the people business. It's not really in 
the building business or the real estate. He's in the people's business. That, that, that Jesus is all about healing people and redeeming people and forgiving people and delivering people and transforming people and caring people. Jesus is all about you, me, and the church at its best is about people. Now, the big idea of this, uh, of this series is faith in the midst of reasonable doubt, that we have to confront and dialogue with our doubts in order for our faith to grow. And let's just face it, one of the great doubts of contemporary culture is uh, how important is the church anyway? <laughs> like, why do, do I really have to gather with the church on Sundays? What's the big deal? Is the church really relevant to, my, to, to where I'm living my life? Is it really important? Isn't it just another form of organized religion? And in our culture, there's this great resistance against organized religion. And if we look at the text before us, it is a reminder that oftentimes it's for good reason. So here's the text before us. Let's take a look at it. It begins really in verse 3. Since we now know that the church is about people, we remember that when in verse 3 where Peter, James, and John are meeting at the top of the mountain with Jesus and he, he, he transforms, he reveals his divinity in this wonderful moment they call the transfiguration. It's really an extraordinary moment of worship up on high on top of the mountain. Kind of like what we just experienced. This extraordinary moment. I, could, I mean, I look back, man, you guys were standing up. Your hands were stretched out. And for some of you, tears were stringing down your face. And you were singing total praise. And, and this is, was, it was an extraordinary moment really on top of the mountain. Everybody say on top of the mountain. But then, but then comes verse 7 when the voice from the cloud says, this is my son who I dearly love, listen to him. And then very quickly they start down the mountain. I mentioned this last week because at the end of the day, all of you, when this is over, you're going to go down the mountain, back down to the valley, Silicon Valley, right? Back down in the real life, back down to fighting with your spouse or your girlfriend. Come on, back down to struggling with knucklehead, hard-headed children. I mean, come on, back down to trying to work out your finances, back down to unemployment, back down to your chemo treatment, back down to the valley. And what's fascinating about this passage is that the most exciting part of this passage where the church is engaged happens in the valley. So what happens in the valley? Well, first of all, when they get back, there's a big debate going on. Followers of Jesus debating with some of the teachers of the religious law. And Jesus sees the debate when he arrives. And in verse 16, he says, what's the arguing about? And verse 17, the guy, uh, the text says that, that one of the men in the crowd, that word crowd can be translated uh, common everyday people. All right. Ask the person, someone to your right or your left, ask him, are you a common everyday person? Ask him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, if you're a common everyday person, you're in this text. You're in this text. You're part of the crowd, right? Now, if you're not a common everyday person, well, you're not, maybe, maybe not exactly. But, 
But the rest of us, you're in the crowd, you're in this text, and one of the persons speaks out of the crowd. And, and, and it's amazing because he's speaking up for himself, but he's actually speaking up for most of the other folk who are in the crowd. And he says this. He said, look, let me tell you what they're arguing about. I brought my son so you could heal him. But, uh, and then he goes on to explain what happens to his son when he's going through all of the, with his, this, uh, this uh, unclean uh, evil spirit is in it. He goes through all the details. And then he says, at the end of verse 18, by implications, I couldn't find you. You weren't here. But your disciples were here. Your followers. So I asked them to cast the evil spirit out. And here's the most damning words, right? Here, here's the point why, why some folk feel that the church, uh, that this is why I argue it's, it's reasonable the way some of us feel. Because here's what he articulates. And he's articulating it for himself, but he's really speaking up really saying what the crowd actually believes he says he says so I brought him and I asked your disciples to cast the spirit out five words but they couldn't do it he's talking about the church he said I brought he said I <laughs> I, I brought my, my heart, my, 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 my suffering, my, my encounter with evil. I brought it to the church. They couldn't help me. By implication, he's saying, I've discovered that your followers at the church is just irrelevant. There's a lot of racket going on. He said, what I discovered was they, they were busy debating with the other religious leaders. And I just wanted my suffering dealt with. They couldn't. So some of us, you know, we don't come to church regularly because, you know, we, we've basically concluded that the church is irrelevant. It just doesn't speak to where I live. In other words, you know, church, you can't really help me. As the father expresses this, he's really also expressing a pain. He's disappointed. And he's disappointed. He's kind of out of options. You know, oftentimes, sometimes we come to church and we're really out of options. There's nothing else left. We come to the, bring them to, we come to the church. Maybe, 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 just maybe the church can help. And then we are disappointed because we find something crazy like what he found. The church is arguing and fighting. And, you know, when I was growing up, some deacons was bringing guns. And they get in there to bring the guns and just all this kind of stuff. It's like, what is this, the church? <laughs> the church's greatest strength. Is people. The church's greatest weakness, people. So, so it's hurt. My wife has a, uh, wife and I have a dear friend, a brilliant guy, one of the warmest hearts I've ever met. His mother had converted from another religion to Christianity, raised her kids up. When she got sick and she was on a deathbed, she slipped into a coma, uh, slipped into a uh, kind of lost her consciousness and, and some of her previous religion surfaced in her talking and language and mumbling. There were some followers of Jesus standing around in the room and after she died, they told her son, well, sorry to tell you, but your mother died and went to hell. Because obviously, 
she uh, rejected Jesus, reverted back to her faith, and so she's lost. Her son's a brilliant guy, one of the warmest hearts I've ever met, grew up in the church. From that point forward, decided he would never come to church again. His wife would go to church, he'll never go to church. He, he's never going to church because he's just concluded the church this is a place of pain for him. I mean, I mean, how could the how could you say? All right, so let me just help, because you know, maybe some people thinking about that. Let me just tell you, when my when 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 I married my this is one of the reasons I, I believe in marriage so much. Uh, when, when I married my wife, she took some vows. I did too, but but she the emphasis is on her. <laughs> 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 she said, for better, for worse, <laughs> in sickness and health, for richer and for poor. All right. So, if I should lose my mind in my latter years of my life, and it's possible because my grandfather suffered from severe mental health issues uh, early, I mean, in his older age, and I told her that before she married me. I actually... <laughs> Actually, I didn't tell her that before she married me. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. Uh, uh, one of the reasons I, 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 I celebrate this ring that I wear. This is, the ring makes a difference here. But why I celebrate the ring is because I believe that because Rhonda took those vows, that if, in fact, I should totally lose my mind, that at the end of the day, she's not going to get rid of me. At the end of the day, she's going to hang in there and she's going to work with me and, 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 and all of that. You know why? Because, because, because her commitment and her love is of such that she gave her word and, 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 and the ring says that she says, I'll be there with you till death do us part. Now, if Rhonda can do that and, all, uh, and she's not perfect and she can do that, how much more can Jesus, in the awesomeness of who he is, who declares that if you put your trust in me, come on now, I've got enough grace so that if you lose your mind, I'm here to tell you, his grace is strong enough to hold you. And I wish this friend would hear this because... You can never let, and those folk, they meant well. In verse 28, when those disciples got back to where Jesus was, and they got caught, they said, how come we couldn't pass through? They wanted to cast it out. They wanted to be successful. They wanted to be effective and helpful. And, and those folk who said that uh, terrible thing to that boy, they were trying to be helpful. I'm going to come back to this point in a minute. Never allow a small sampling of the church to define your picture of the whole church. All right. All right. So I argue that, that the church can literally be used by Christ to change your life. And I argue that it, it's worth waking up on a Sunday morning, pushing through the rain, and coming out here. I, I, I argue that it's, that it's worth your gathering, not just on Sunday, but in small groups on a regular basis. I, 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 you say, well, well, help me here, because I got soccer game. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I work really hard. I like sleeping in on Sunday morning. Oh, uh, 
That's when the basketball game or the football game, so help me figure this one out. I like how you ask your questions. <laughs> Number one, it's only in the church that we find what I want to call, we can discover the uniqueness of Jesus. Now, this text begins with Jesus up on the high mountain in verse 3, and he, he shows his transfiguration. Mark is writing this text. Mark, we believe, got the testimony from Peter, who was an eyewitness. And I think that what Peter was saying is, is we knew that he was fully human because we, 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 we were with him for three and a half years. And so, first of all, Jesus, it is a church that reminds us that Jesus gives us a picture of what the best of humanity looks like. And sometimes we need to see that picture, right? Because in our homes and on our jobs, we get different pictures. And, and, and Jesus shows us that you can be human and forgive. You can be human and love unconditionally. You can be human and offer grace and favor even to your enemies. And, and, so, and so, so, so when you've got Jesus, you, it's not sufficient to say that my daddy had a temper uh, and my mama was insensitive. You've got a bigger picture in Jesus and you can become what he calls you to be. The church holds that picture up. The church holds that picture up. But that's not really per se unique because if you go to school, you know, Jesus is a historical figure. They will teach you. You know, you'll learn. And some will declare he's a prophet. Some will declare he was a, 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 a rabbinical teacher. Some will suggest that he was a charismatic leader. And that just kind of puts him in good company like with Dr. King and Gandhi and all of that. But it's only the church, this gathered group of strong but broken people do we get this other word which is Jesus when you see Jesus he's the revelation of God he is God now now this is what the transfiguration was up on the mountain this is why the father said listen to him well, here's the point in Jesus the revelation of God that the church proclaims is unique Nowhere else in the world and nowhere else on the planet does anybody talk about a God who comes looking for you. Everybody else talks about finding the right path to get to God. But in Jesus, God comes to your neighborhood. Come on. In Jesus, God tells us he's looking for you. Yes, with all your tattoos, he's looking for you. Yes, 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 you're here and, 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 and you've got a big, you, it's hard for you to listen because your head is pounding because you got a hangover from last night. But I'm telling you, he's looking for you. That's unique. The church offers that picture. And then it is the church, it is in Jesus where we find that, uh, it is in Jesus that we find this other deal. Watch this. Nowhere else on the planet. Do you hear the good news that God loved you so much that he will sacrifice his all for you? Not when you're at your best, but when you're at your worst. Oh, that's good. Every other place on the planet when it comes to religious talk talks about what sacrifice you need to make. But before God and Jesus ever ask you to do anything for him, he gives his all for you. 
And when you come to church regularly, you know, if you want to learn a new language, you got to go immerse yourself in that culture, right? And when you come to church regularly and you immerse yourself, here's what you hear week after week after week. And we need to hear it because we leak. You know you leak, right, right. We can we leave out here filled up with joy and expectation and hope and faith. But then we go back to the valley. By Tuesday morning, we, it's all gone. <laughs> what did the preacher preach? I don't know. I thought... <laughs> Thank God for you too. <laughs> Tell somebody, you leak. So we got to come back regularly to remind so that we can be reminded that the God in Jesus who died for us, that is an expression of an undeniable, unconditional, unequivocal love for you. And there's nothing you can do to shake it. You know, one of my favorite verses, what can separate you from the love of God? And the answer Paul writes in Romans is absolutely. It is the church and only the church. It's broken people that offers this picture. Let me read something. You know, Bono, uh, the great theologian. <laughs> Bono says this. He says, he says, I find Jesus intriguing. And he says, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why he's hanging out with those folk, meaning the church. And so in a sense, he's saying, I love Jesus, but he keeps showing up in these broken people. So on one hand, that sounds like my man, Jono. But then I read another quote that he wrote. I thought it was interesting. Let me read it to you. He's going to throw it up on the screen. Here's what he wrote. I guess he figured it out. He says, and yet along comes this ideal called grace to upend all that as you weep, so you sow stuff. Grace defies reasoning and logic, Bono writes. Love interrupts if you like the consequences of your action. He inter he, love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your action, which in my case is very good news. I agree with him. That's in my case too. Praise God. Uh, indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. That's me. Hands raised right there. I'm holding out for grace. That's me. I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross and because I know who I am, I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. That's where I am, Bono. That's me. That's me right there. All right, so so here's, 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 the, here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's the text. Watch it. Verse 15. The, the debate is going on. Verse 14 says the crowd is over there where the debate is. Verse 15 says Jesus comes on this side. And, 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 and it says when the crowd sees Jesus, they are so overwhelmed with awe that they leave the debaters and they run to greet Jesus. 
what's the teaching of the text? The teaching of the text is when you say, ah, A-W-E. In other words, when they saw Jesus, there was a wonder about him. There was, there was an excitement, an amazement about him. There was something extraordinary that evoked their curiosity. And it was far more important than the theological debate that's going on there. So some of y'all won't go to church because you're engaged in a theological debate. But the text says, leave the debate. There's something a whole lot more exciting about Jesus. And Bono nailed it. And if he is who he says that he is, a God who died for your sins and conquered death, you need to know him. Because he wants to know. Secondly, the church facilitates what I call, gives us an uncommon community. Everybody say uncommon community. It's community that's not common. Here's Jesus' response in verse 19. He says, uh, he's, the text begins, it says, and he said to them, everybody say them. He's speaking to the whole crowd, including his disciples. You faithless People, are you, are you unbelieving generation? And he goes on to say, how long must I be with you? How long must I put you up? And, and I told you last week that that word put you up suggests, he said, how long must I bear you up? That word is bear, bear you up. And you not recognize me. Now, here's the insight from the text. And I'm going to show you the importance of it. So here's the insight. In the church, in the gathered community, everybody is a sinner. Did you know that? Yeah, we all sinners. We're all imperfect. Well, why is that important? All right. In Silicon Valley, despite our technology and our money, and despite all these firms around, Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and all that, the average person, so I hear, we've been investigating this, is lonely. The average person is looking for connection. Say, so wait a moment. In Silicon Valley, if you work for Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, in those guys, VMware, what do you mean looking for connection? You're surrounded by people. And they, they fix it so you can get your clothes clean, don't have to leave the job. <laughs> they, they, they make arrangements so that your child can be taken care of. Come on, they got bicycles so you can go bike and get your exercise and turn right back around, come right back to work. <laughs> and yet with all of that, many of you, you're longing for connection. So what do you mean? Well, here's the point. At work, you have to wear a mask. Most of you at work, you have to be somebody that you don't always feel like you are. But you can't let other folk know you're not that person because you think somebody's standing in line waiting to get your job once they prove that you're not as good as you 
If you're projecting that you are. If you if you got friends, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by the group of friends. You're the person who's in the friendship circle. That everybody comes to you with one for one and answer. Help solve their problems. They're looking to you. But there are many times when you just don't have an answer and you want somebody to talk to. But, but you, you can't tell that anybody because that's the role you got to play. If you're in school, if you're in high school, man, you know, you got to be cool. You got to have swagger. Come on now, you got to be cute. I mean, even when you don't feel like swaggering. <laughs> or you don't feel that cute. Come on now. But in order to fit in, you've got to put on a face. And you've got to, you've got to walk a certain way. And, and, and you've got to do some stuff that you don't even want to do. You're the educator and you've got to pretend like you got all the answers. And, 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 but when you come to the church and you recognize that the person on your right and the person on your left and the one behind you and the one in front of you and the preacher on the stage, when you recognize that we all sinners, you can pull off the mask. Come on now. You don't have to pretend anymore. You can just be who you are. You can't do that at Facebook. Can you? You can't do that in your sorority. You can't do that with your friends. But here, this is the place, it's in the church where Galatians 6 speaks to us. His first couple of verses it says, If any of you find your brother or sister has been overrun or overtaken uh, by sin or by fault. I said, those of you who are godly, here's how we measure it, uh, with humility and with gentleness, help them back onto the right path. If I say help, if I say bear, gentle and humility not with arrogance, right? Not with a better than you, right? Because the next verse says, and be careful that you don't fall in the same temptation because you have the same vulnerabilities. Come on now. And, 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 and so, there it comes. So bear one another. So I told you that the verse said, when Jesus says, when Jesus says, how long must I put up with you? How long must I bear you? And then in the same verse, uh, 19, he says, he says, bring the boy to me. The actual Greek says, bear the boy to me and what happens in a church community that is reasonably healthy is that when you're weak and, and when you're when you're struggling and and when you're down and when you're demotivated and 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 and, and when you're demoralized uh it's the church that you should be able to come to and be honest about your feelings and discover that there's somebody on your right and on your left who's not going to judge you come on now but they're going to lift you now they will challenge you but they will also come comfort you because we're in this thing together. Everybody say bear. Church bear. Pastor Dan Monroe told me something the other day. I found it profound. And he said to me that often in the worship gathering he goes back to see our special needs young people. We have a ministry to special needs kids as part of our CYM. People there with cerebral palsy and the full spectrum of altruism and all of that. Pastor Dan says that when he goes back to just watch 
and marvel at these young people, he notices a couple of things. He says, as he watches them and how loving our people are working with them and teaching them and engaging, we, 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 put them, we connect them with buddies. He says, he realizes that as he's looking at their special needs revealed, that whenever God looks at him, Pastor Dan Monroe, God sees him as a special needs child. You see, every one of you, including me, have special needs. Some of us are compulsive, obsessive. That's a special need. Some of us are deeply broken and insecure. That's a special need. Uh, some, some of us have a, have a, have a, horrible, uh, a, 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 a horrible experience of hopelessness. That's a special need. Some of us are dealing with physical sickness. That's a special need. Some of us are being dominated by fear. And, and, and we act out of our fear. That's a special need. And, 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 and when you come to the church, it's not just that we bear you. But we bear you with your special needs to Jesus. And as we bear you, you bear us. And that's unique to the church. The second thing he says is that he watches them. Nobody with special needs are trying to pretend like they don't have special needs. <laughs> At Google, you have to pretend like you don't have special needs. At school, you have to pretend like you don't have special needs. When you go out on a date, you have to pretend like you don't have special needs. But you know he's got special needs. Come on now. Isn't it good to know a God, to have a community where we can come and just be honest? Yes, I've got special needs. That's the church. Wrap this up here. Uh, everybody, talk, everybody say power. Uh, there's an unequivocal, uh, unequal power that is found here. Because of the uniqueness of Jesus, because of the uncommonness of the community, there is, there is an unequal power that happens in the church. Well, one could argue that the disciples couldn't do it, but it's because the disciples were there that the fella was there long enough for Jesus to show up. Jesus was discovered around the church. Everybody say power. There's something about being in the church that's transformative. Here it is in the text. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And then the evil, and then they start bringing him. And he says, when the evil spirits saw Jesus, it says when they saw, now just like when the crowd saw Jesus, they recognized something awestruck and ran to him. It says, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it was like, I know I'm done for. Because I know who he is. I know he's the ultimate authority. And, and so I'm going to get my last sucker punch in. So I say, threw the boy into a compulsion. And Jesus says, how long? And they talked about it. And then Jesus said, come out and don't go back in. 
and Jesus evicts the spirit. Now, here's the insight. Watch the insight. I'm trying not to get excited. Here's the insight. Here's the insight. Here's the insight. It's that Jesus reminds us in that encounter that our suffering in the world and the evil in the world at its root is a spiritual issue. At its root. And let me back into it two ways. I ran into one of my staff who told me about meeting one of the people who now worship here. And, and as regularly we ask people, how did you find us? And Pastor Tilden told me about a fellow who went to Austria and ran into a woman who watches the teaching on YouTube and said to him, where you live, he told her, she said, when you get back, look this church up. So when he came back, he discovered he lived 10 minutes from here, which is the church that she was watching. He went to Austria to discover us here. That has nothing to do with the message, but anyway, I just thought I'd put that in. <laughs> okay, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. So one of my staff asked this woman, how did you find your way here? The woman said, I have a neighbor. It says, for a number of years, because life has been so hard on this neighbor and, and been so uncaring for this neighbor, and, and given her age, she's, she, she's hard, she was uncaring, she was insensitive. She came across as mean, and, and she was my neighbor, but I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy meeting her or running into her. Anybody have a neighbor like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> so she said, so she said, but one day we came out at the same time and I met her, and I was shocked because she was sweet and sensitive and thoughtful. She said, I thought she might have been sick. <laughs> so I waited and I ran into her two or three more times, and she was just as sweet and loving and caring and so she, the woman said I asked her How, you've changed what happened and, 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 the, and the woman said I found a church and, and, and she said well what's the name of this church if they can do that for you what's the address and the name the woman said NBCC and then she proceeded to say Here's what happened. And then she told her story about how she came and she joined a, a life group. We call it a small group. And how she went through one trouble after the next. But her life group bared with her. They walked her through. And they were there caring for her and loving her and helping her from one obstacle to the next. And suddenly she discovered that, yes, everybody matters to God. And she certainly mattered to God. And suddenly she discovered that the cynicism that she had about life and about people began to drift away. And then she discovered, after a while, she started acting like them. Or should I say us? Not perfect, but transformed. You see, I'm not what I used to be. I, I'm not all that I'm supposed to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. That's the power of the church. 
that we're on a journey of transformation together. And that was the power that she experienced. So here's my point. It's all spiritual at the end of the day. Listen, some of us think if we get enough money, we can wipe out evil and suffering. No, baby. Look at all the money that Warren Buffett has been spending and all the money that uh, Bill Gates has been donating. To, and yet evil is tripling and quadrupling in the world. It takes more than money. Some people say, well, if we can get enough technology, we can wipe suffering and evil out. But here's what you've discovered. Today, you can have an app, hit it, and start your car uh, sitting out on the street and you in the house, warm it up or cool it off. But uh, uh, the wrong person can take a same phone with another app, hit it, and a bomb will go off. Come on now. So technology is not the answer by itself. Some people say, well, uh, 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 it needs education. And yet we've discovered that some of the worst atrocious terrorists in the world are well-educated. And some people say, well, no, I just need more medicine improvement. And, and, but we know this, that medicine can extend your life, but it can't give you eternal life. And so when we finish thinking about it, yes, we need education, but we need Jesus Plus, come on now, we need education plus the power of Jesus. Yes, we need technology, but we need technology plus the power of Jesus. Yes, we need money, but we need money plus the power of Jesus. Yes, we need medicine, but we need medicine plus the power. Why? Because only Jesus, God working human circumstances, can change the human heart. change your husband's heart, your child's heart, your heart, like it did that lady whose heart was crusted over with pain. But in the church, among broken people, she's different. Only the church. Then at the end of the day, let me finish it here. My clock is off, so I don't know what time I'm in. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm over time. <laughs> so let me wrap it up here. The young lady on the front said, I, I am. <laughs> she forget I signed her paycheck anyway. <laughs> Come on, everybody say unequivocal hope. If I know the uniqueness of Jesus, if I would dare immerse myself in the uncommonness of this community, if I would access the power that comes from both Jesus and the people working with Jesus, bearing me to Jesus, then I've got a hope. That cannot be distinguished, but the hope actually becomes power itself, and it transforms my sense of purpose. All right, the last story. When I got to Boston, it had the highest, one of the highest murder rates in the country. A group of clergy got together, and we started, we left because the church is not the building. We figured we need to exit the building. So uh, the clergy and our folk went out, went out on the streets. 10, 30, 11, 12, 1 in the morning, started talking to gang folk, went to schools, found the at-risk kids, started visiting them in their homes, came across a fella who was a gang leader, sit in a room with him, as we started negotiating truces between gangs, 
sit in a room with him. I'm talking about power and hope. And, 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 and this fellow who had no hope said to us, the preachers, he said, I know a hustle when I see one. And he says, I've been visiting some of these. He said, every now and then I, I slip into a church. He said, I like to sit on the back. And he said, and, and, and I know a hustle when I see one. And he said, I like bling bling. He said, when I see the preachers up there, they like bling bling too. And, and they're raising money to get more bling bling. And he said, he said, they're driving these big old cars. He said, I'm checking them out. Come on, the church is in the hood and they're driving a big Mercedes. And he said, I'm watching that. And, and he said, and then I know who they married to. But then I see the cars parked somewhere else. He said, I know a hustle when I see a hustle. But we just kept talking with him because we wanted him to know that while his facts were correct, the sample was too small. Because the rest of us in that room, we were going home at night. Come on now. And, 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 and it wasn't about bling bling with us. And, 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 and not only were we on the street, we were in the mayor's office fighting for uh, dollars to help bring recreation to the community and to help bring jobs for them and job training with the governor's office. And so after a while, when he put it together, that we were willing to go out on the street. That's the church, y'all. We were willing, come on now, to go into schools. That's the church, y'all. That we were willing to sit in his pad on his turf and share with him that the same Jesus that came into our lives is the Jesus that has told us to go out and find him ultimately because he found hope shout hope he showed up in a church just like this and he went from being a gang banger come on now to a Christian leader joining us and helping us to go out in the community and make a difference that's the power of the church And in the church, when you experience Christ and when you experience hope, it begins to change your purpose. You don't just want to come. At some point, you decide, I don't just want to come because I'm in trouble. I don't just want to come because my boy needs some help. At some point, once you've encountered Christ among the Christians, come on now, you decide, you know what? I want to be a part of God's work to help alleviate suffering, a part of God's work to help push back evil, part of God's work. That's why we're going to the school, y'all. And we're not going to meet here. We're going to the school because we want to be a part of God's work. And here is the reality. Just like that boy, there will be some things you're going to bring here we can't fix. But our job is to bear you to Jesus. Come on now. And, 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 but even Jesus died. But at the end of the day, he got up. That's the good news. So at the end of the day, some stuff you won't fix. But the reason why we were singing total praise, I lift my eyes to the hills and I raise my hand is because we believe, I'm talking about me now, that regardless of what comes into my life, death and cancer and sickness because that's all a part of this life Jesus got the ultimate victory and he's got the ultimate last word and either he'll fix it in here or to be fixed on the other side but I know I'm victorious with Jesus shout hope shout hope that's power to lift you and to raise you shout hallelujah that's it Come on, give God a hand, praise. Hey Amen. Where's my card? Connection card. All right. Show me your connection card. Some of you, you need to say yes to Jesus. There's a place for you. You just need to say yes.
Just don't try to figure it all out. Just say yes. I'm going to try to say yes. I'm ready to discover. Everybody say yes. I'm going to start the journey of discovery. You ought to check that. For some of you, it's time to get off the road and get into a circle. It's time for you to join a small group. Go deeper in your faith. You ought to check that. We'll get in touch with you. But for some of you, here's what I'm going to really challenge. Everybody say immersion. immersion. To learn the language, you've got to immerse. I want you to learn the language. I want you to have access to the power. I want you to discover the hope. That'll keep you from taking your life. Hope. That'll keep you from giving up because you've got, you go from one chemo treatment to the next. Hope. That'll keep you from saying it's over because you went through a divorce court. Hope. And, 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 and if you, so here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to just say, you know, just say, Commit to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gather with the church here for the next four weeks. I'm going to do the journey. And if you are, all you have to write is, count me in for the next four weeks. Write that under the response to the message. And let's see what Jesus and the church does in your life. Shout amen. amen.